Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Our scripture comes from 1 Corinthians 12. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between Spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines." Just as a body through one, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. This is the word of the Lord. Hi, guys. Aww. My name is Fabs, as you just heard, Um, and I am so happy to be with you this morning. I'm on staff here at The Vine, and we've been going through a series about the Holy Spirit, and for me, I've really enjoyed it. Each week, we've kind of taken a different characteristic or element or attribute of the Spirit and unpacked it a little bit, and last week, uh, it was fun for me because I was in service listening, and Mark was reading from Acts 1, and of course... As a bad listener, I was thinking ahead to my sermon this week. And I noticed something that I hadn't noticed in the text before. As we were reading Acts 1, in verse 7, Jesus is promising the disciples the Holy Spirit is going to come to them. And he says to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Last week when we were reading this, I noticed that Jesus, as he's preparing the disciples to receive the Holy Spirit, he could have listed anything that they should know to expect, any characteristic, any element, any experience that they might have known to expect. And what does he list in this verse? What does he say they can expect? Power, right? And I was like, great, that's my week. Next week, (laughs) I'm teaching on the power of the Holy Spirit. I think as we've gone through this series, it's so clear to me that the Holy Spirit is a gift to us. He's our friend, our counselor. The Holy Spirit brings, brings the gift of guidance and leadership and wisdom in our lives. And the Holy Spirit also brings for us the power of God. The Holy Spirit gifts us with the power of God inside of us. Like, it's kind of crazy. I don't know what comes to mind for you when you think about the power of God. Uh, when I was thinking about it, I was like, I think my mind probably from growing up in church or whatever, but automatically goes to like those moments in the Bible where you see God do like really crazy things like, you know, creation or when you see Moses encounter God and God is in the form of like this burning bush and then after that, God like does all this crazy stuff by power and he brings his people out of Egypt. He parts the Red Sea, like totally parts it and the people walk between. I think most of us probably have a sense 
of the power of God. Or we can picture something when we think about that. And in the scripture, when the Bible is talking about the power of God in relation to the Spirit specifically, like when it talks about the power of the Spirit, it sounds as if the power of the Spirit is the power of God distributed. Like the power of the Spirit is the power of God given out to different people. When you see the power of the Spirit, what it means is what this thing is that is the power of God has been, has been distributed to somebody or some place inside of time. It's the experience of the power of God. So that's what we're going to talk about today, that the Spirit brings to us is the distribution of the power of God within us. And, and, and we're going to talk specifically about the passage that Andrew read for us, which is about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts, I'm sure if you've been around the church, you've heard them talked about, but essentially what they are is they are one of the ways we get to experience the power of God through the Spirit in our lives. So let's look at that text again from 1 Corinthians. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers, to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits, to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So this is a lot. There's a lot going on here. One of the things this passage says is that our spiritual gifts are like the manifestation of the spirit inside of us. And manifestation is one of those words, it's like irony, like everyone knows what it means, but no one can really define it, you know? So I looked up the definition for us, so we don't have to worry about that. Manifestation is, means an event, action, or object that clearly shows or embodies something abstract, a version of incarnation of something or someone, an appearance of a ghost or a spirit. Our spiritual gifts are like this ability that we have that like wraps around the power of God in us through the Spirit so that you can see the power of God manifest. You can see the power of God in me through my spiritual gift. That's the idea, that, that each one of us has this ability that is a demonstration. It is a display of the power of God. And when we operate in it, when we tap into that ability, the power of God through the Spirit is manifest. It's like actually visible. You can see it. Right? The message translation says it this way, which I love. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. You've been given something to do that shows the power and the personhood of God. And in this First Corinthians passage, as we read it, you probably noticed, I know I made you listen to it twice. You had Andrew, and then you had me. You can judge who the better reader was then. Um, <laughs> JK. Um, if you were listening to it, you notice that this passage is kind of emphasizing two different things, and I can tell that because of the words that are repeated over and over and over again. Uh, can you throw up the First Corinthians passage really fast? What words do you guys see repeated? Different? Same. Great. You can. They got it in one. You can go to the next slide where I highlighted the answer. Yeah. <laughs> So the passage is emphasizing two different things, right? One thing it wants to emphasize is the same spirit. The power of God that's been distributed in this room through the spirit, just so you know, it's the same exact spirit in every single one of you. The same source of power. 
And just so you know, the way that that power has been distributed shows up differently, uniquely in every single person, the manifestation of the spirit, the, the part of God that we're able to see through the power of God in each other is totally unique to each one of us, okay? So same spirit, what does that mean? It means if we like actually believe this, that we think through the spirit, the power of God throughout the history of redemption, right? We believe that that same spirit, that same source of power is at work within us. So in the New Testament, we see, you know, Paul, who's this guy who's been charged with kind of taking the gospel to the marginalized people who've never had access to it. And it says in uh, Romans that he was able to do that by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the spirit of God. And there's another guy in the New Testament we see who goes around kind of working miracles and stuff, and it says that Stephen, that's his name, was filled with power to perform great wonders and signs among the people through the Spirit. That same Spirit, same exact one, not different, same Spirit is in us. It's actually the same Spirit that empowered and enabled Jesus. Even though Jesus was God, he leaned on the Spirit. It says the Spirit, at the beginning of his ministry, we see the Spirit kind of drive Jesus into this wilderness-type moment where he connects with the Father And when he comes out of the wilderness, it says he does so by the power of the Spirit. And that begins his ministry. That same Spirit is at work within you. The same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. Like that's the kind of power we're dealing with here, that there was a body in the ground, in the tomb. And the Spirit of God, the power of God, through the Spirit of God, quickened his heart to beat again and put oxygen in his lungs and made neurons fire inside this human body. That's the power of the spirit. And this passage wants you to know that that same power, that same spirit is at work within you. And that it shows up distinctly, differently in every single one of you, that every single person in this room who has the spirit of God in them has an ability that can manifest, that can display who God is totally uniquely. I love this so much. I love this. I think it basically says that we all have superpowers. And I have a friend who, like, truly hates it when I say that. We used to teach together all the time, and she'd be like, Fabs cannot teach on spiritual gifts because she's going to say something about superpowers, and I'm going to hate it. But I read a lot of YA fantasy. What can I tell you? I don't know how to read this text and not hear that we've been given a supernatural ability that's unique to us, which, by the way, is what superpowers, supernatural powers are, Right? And magic, which, you know, I don't know if you know this, but magic is the power of influencing the course of events by using mysterious or supernatural forces. Isn't that exactly what we're talking about here? The ability to influence events through a supernatural source of power that is the power of God. I, as a YA fantasy reader, I don't know how to read it any other way than this idea that you and I have each been given these supernatural, magical abilities. And I know that there's a lot of resistance to that, which is weird to me because as we were talking about this question, you know, that Brian asked when you were discussing in your time, it's like not hard for each one of us to think about wanting a superpower. I think we've been talking about that our entire lives, almost like we were made for superpowers, almost. Um, but we know better as we get older, right? We know it's, it's not real. That's what parents will tell their kids about these YA fantasy books that I read. And I'm like, but it is real, right? It's not real. It's not reality. And I think somewhere over time what we've done is we've taken God's power and we've made it, we've reinterpreted it through our experience of what's real, through what we've touched, 
through what we've tasted. That's reality, and God's power has to fit within that. Instead of pushing the limits of reality, redefining reality in light of how we've experienced the power of God, right? We've redefined reality in that way. And I hear myself talking about God's power in my life. I hear myself sharing with people, you know, how God's moved, and I'll share things like, you know, my AC was broken, and someone came over and helped me fix it, and it was amazing, you know, and I am not trying to minimize those little things that God does, like give us a parking spot when we really need one, or make our checkout line go faster in the grocery store, or fix our AC. Those things are, I truly believe, the kindness and the intimacy of God working in the tiny details of our life. I believe that. But we're not talking about God's kindness right now. We're talking about God's power. Power to do far more than we can dream or imagine. That's how he describes his power. I feel like we've minimized it a little bit. And I wonder what would happen for a second if we just believed that we had within us the power of God. And we had been given, each one of us, a unique ability that when we act in it, when we move in it, the power of God... The picture of God is displayed, is demonstrated in this world. And I think maybe one of the reasons we're resistant to it is that most of us have seen power stewarded badly, right? Which, by the way, always happens in the YA book. When the kid finds out they have magical powers, there's always this season they go through where they steward that power badly. They use it to get something that they want, you know, just for themselves. They use it and end up harming someone else in the process. They use it in a selfish way. But God has explained to us the goal of why he's distributed his power this way. He has a goal, and he shares that in verse 7 of our passage. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. Why? For the common good. I underlined it for you so we could read it together. If we in this room are stewarding the power of God in the way that God has designed it, we will know it because it will benefit everyone. Not just the people at the vine, not just Christians, not just certain people in different pockets of this city. It will be beneficial to the common good. God has given the gift of his power through the Spirit in you for the common good, for the good of everybody. And I love the way he explains it in Ephesians, talking again about the spiritual gifts. Paul says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, thank you, Drew, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of, our, of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So the point of God putting his power within you in a unique way is for the building up of the body of Christ. As the body of Christ looks mature so that it will benefit everyone for the common good, right? When you hear building up of the body of Christ, I want you to think for a second what that means. Like if someone was like, what does it mean to build up the body of Christ? Think about what you have in your head. As I was preparing for this, I know exactly what I have in my head. The way I've heard the body of Christ talked about in my religious experience is generally to mean the church. And what I've heard the church generally mean is a 501c3 organization. 
Right? When I hear building out the body to Christ, I immediately imagine that what we're trying to do is get more people to come to this 501c3, or we want more 501c3s in America that are called churches, and that will be the building up of the body of Christ. So try for a second to pretend you didn't grow up in America and you'd never heard any of that. If, if you were just reading this and someone was talking to you about the body of Christ, what would you think of? I think you'd probably think of the body, like the body of Fabs, right here. My body is this thing that holds my spirit, that enables my spirit to be visible to you. You're able to see fabs. You're able to see whatever I'm made of, whatever soul, spiritual, whatever thing I am, you're able to see it through my body. And you're able to experience abstract concepts, right, like that manifestation description, an abstract concept like I care about you, I love you, I wanna be there for you. You're able to experience that through my body. My body lets me move in this world and show up in a way that displays who I am. And that's what the body of Christ is, right? We had Jesus. He was here in a body. He was this person. And when you were around him, imagine what you would experience, right? People seemed to respond to him like it was great to be around him, like they wanted to go to dinner with him, like he made people feel welcome and safe and wanted and loved. And then he went away and he put his spirit in each one of us and he said, now you're my body. And there's more of you than me, so I could only be in one place at one time as a human, but now you can be in all these different places and all these different pockets of the city of Austin doing all these different things, and people can experience the manifestation, the presence, the personhood of Jesus through the building up of that body. But the problem is that body isn't always mature, right? The implication in that Ephesians passage is that there's a version of the body of Christ that isn't mature, that doesn't look like Christ. And isn't that just the state of America, right? When people think of the body of Christ, you think they think of, if they were to think of the people of God, do they think of the experience that we believe you have when you're hanging out with Jesus? Do they think of a place where you feel safe and welcome and wanted and loved and seen and known and special and valued and all the things that Jesus seemed able to make people feel? Is that what people experience when they brush up against the body of Christ in America. I was in preparation for today, I was listening to a sermon that was very influential to me on spiritual gifts. I love it. But uh, it's been a while since I listened to it. <laughs> and a lot of time has passed, it's been over a decade, and I'm a different person than I was when I first heard it. And America is different than it was when this sermon was preached. And as I was listening to it, I was hearing this pastor like talk about the building up of the body of Christ and how important it is that we all lean into this manifestation of the power of God that's inside of us so that we can build up the body of Christ. And he was talking kind of like the threat to the building up of the body of Christ is like people not believing the right things or whatever. And now fast forward this last decade, it's like I, I think if you did a man on the street interview, the threat to the building up of the body of Christ is that when people brush up against it, they don't seem to be experiencing anything like Jesus normal for churches to have abuse. That's a, a pretty common association, right, the body of Christ and abuse of power. That is, that is not the maturity of the body of Christ. And, and God has said he's given a solution. He's given the power of his spirit inside each one of us so that we can help the body of Christ be mature. We can help it look like Jesus. And we can rub up against it. They experience the person, the, the body of Christ. And that that will benefit everyone, that will be for the common good. And that's the plan. That's why he's put all of this 
power inside of you and inside of you uniquely. But he says in, in this Ephesians passage, it seems to say that will only happen if every single part functions properly, right? That Ephesians passage doesn't just say that the presence of Christ will be experienced in the world, that the, the, the body of Christ will be mature, healthy, build itself up in love, and you'll be able to see it grow. It will expand, and people will experience it in more pockets, more places in the city of Austin and America. That will happen when Mark does a really great job of leaning into his giftedness, or if Fabs embraces her giftedness and leans into it, or if Ellen serves the way that she's been designed, operates in her design. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say he's given his power, and if a majority of us will use it well, then the body of Christ will be healthy. He says every single part, that it will be as healthy as every individual part, right? From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. In another translation of the same verse, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, that's how it's fitted and held together, according to, this is, it, it's going to be fitted and held together in proportion to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. The power of the Holy Spirit has been put in each one of you in an individual, unique way, and it will take, like Captain Planet, all our powers combined. I just thought of that right now in this moment. <laughs> it will take all of us leaning into the display of the Spirit, the, the manifestation of the Spirit, this demonstration of the power of God in the way he shows up in us uniquely in order for this thing to be healthy. And I don't think that's like a weird condition. I don't think God's like, let's make it so everyone has to pull their own weight. You know, I think that's how bodies work. I think that's how bodies work. And I know this for a fact because if you've heard it once, you'll hear it a million times. I have long covid and part of that experience has been learning to understand how bodies work, right? Because I got sick, you know, some years back now. And in the beginning, it was like, you know, my body was having a lot of health issues, and they would send you to having heart issues, go to a cardiologist. Having breathing issues, you need to go to a pulmonologist. You know what you need is a hematologist because you're having blood clotting issues. You know what? You're having all these different things. Let's make sure you see a neurologist, neuromuscular specialist. So I've seen every specialist. There can be to see, and you know what they all say? You're great. Your heart looks great. Your lungs look great. And I'm sitting here like, but, I, but it's not working. <laughs> the body isn't working. Some parts of it are working really well. Some parts of it look really healthy. But finally, this past January, actually, I got to see a long COVID specialist. And the long COVID specialist's first appointment was like, you know what we need to do? We need to do a biopsy like this big on one tiny spot two tiny spots in the end, on your leg, and we need to look for these microscopic nerve fibers. Not nerves like when you go to the neurologist and they do nerve testing. Those nerves are fine, but there's tiny, 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 itty-bitty nerves that you can't even see that no one even thinks to test for. And so they send off this little biopsy, this tiny three-millimeter diameter thing, and then they tear that apart and try to find these microscopic nerves, and in one of my biopsies, all the nerves look great, and in one of them, the nerves that do like pain and things like that, they're fine, but there's one nerve, one tiny nerve that's called an autonomic nerve that's damaged from this virus that we call COVID. And they tell me, you know, 
that autonomic nerve controls every single piece of communication in your autonomic system. So anything that happens automatically, like, like your heart or your breathing or your blood pressure or your, you know, brain communication with blood, all of that stuff happens through this autonomic nerve. And I'm like, well, how, how, do we know how damaged my nerves are? Do we need to biopsy my entire body right now? You know, and they're like, it doesn't matter. If this one nerve on this one tiny piece of this microscopic corner of your body isn't working, then the autonomic functions will have miscommunication. And I was like, how, how, how can this tiny thing cause all the symptoms I have? And all the symptoms I have mean that when you experience fabs today, the spirit of fabs in this body, I think you're getting less of the spirit of fabs, the person of who fabs is, because my body isn't functioning properly. My body isn't working properly because one part, there's so many parts that are doing so great, and there's this one little corner that isn't, and it affects everything. That's how bodies work. The body of Christ will be mature when every single part functions properly, receives the gift of the power of God that's been put inside of them, leans into and learns to steward this ability that they've been given to display and demonstrate the power of God in this world. And I, I think it's a weird setup, if I'm honest. Like, if I were God, you should never start a sentence that way, especially during a sermon. But if I were God, I would be like, you know what, I've got a lot of power. I can do far more than you dare to dream or imagine according to the power at work within me. It's not what God says. He says, I will and can do far more than you dream or imagine according to the power that is at work within you. That's how he set it up. It's so weird, but it's also what I love about God is like, again, this power dynamic flipped on its head. God isn't trying to control you through his power. He has given you his power to control. We talk about the love God has for you, and he has so much love for you, but for just a second, sit in like the honor that he has given you, the, the trust that he has placed in you, entrusting to you his power that you get to decide how to steward. You get to decide when you walk out of here today if you want to press into that, if you want to learn what your ability looks like, if you want to learn how to steward it in a way that benefits the common good. You get to decide no one's going to make you, I'm not going to make you, and God's not going to make you. In the YA book, always there's like, you know, the, the kind of arc part where the characters stewarded their power badly, and as a result, they're like, Done with this. There's too much pressure. I can't be the one to save this whole kingdom. I gotta go, right? And so they like sail off or drive away into a different land and they're like, I'm not dealing with my power anymore. And because it's a YA book where the, the author controls the process, inevitably they come back and they decide to embrace, embrace like that they matter. And always they're like, can't I just give this power to someone else? Isn't it just enough if the person next to me does their part? And always there's this sense, this like main character vibe, right? That's like, no, you matter. Like, you are essential and you're integral to the goal that we're trying to reach here. And that's this passage. It's like total main character vibes for you guys. That you matter. That there is no one else who has been given the manifestation of the spirit that you've been given. There's no other hope for us experiencing that manifestation apart from the power of God that's been put in you. And this body, the body of Christ, the, the way that Jesus shows up in this world, it cannot be healthy and it cannot be mature unless every single part functions and leans into that power and that design. 
And I know I have, you know, the way that the Holy Spirit shows up in me is oftentimes a little more prophetic than tender. So I know that I can be one of those, like, come on, guys, let's save the world kind of people. But I want you to know that from the bottom of my heart, like, I understand weakness and weariness. I understand, like, that for many of us in this room, verses like this, truths like this have been used to force us to do more than we're able to do, to ask us to, like, the next announcement step, right, is like, and now we need more kids, people to serve in kids. So, you know, I want you to hear from my heart, and I believe the leadership of the vine, that we, we are not asking you to serve more. We're not asking you to get, roll up your sleeves and, and do what you gotta do to help our 501c3 be the best 501c3 it can be. It's okay if you're here to heal. And it's okay if you're healed here because you need to rest. We want you to be healthy. We want the vine to be healthy. And at the same time, I'm going to tell you that I personally don't know what healthy is apart from being released to be who you are, being safe to be who you are, knowing the power at work within you, knowing how to steward it, knowing how to harness it, that's part of being healthy. You will be healthy when you know the fullness of your design, and we will be healthy when each one of us knows the fullness of their design. So I'm not talking about a skill that you need to work on or develop. I'm talking about a power that's made perfect in weakness. It doesn't need anything from you. I'm not talking about something you have to earn or strive for or figure out or gain. It's a gift. It's already been given. It's in there. And if you don't know where to start with this, a couple of different ways, options for you. First of all, we're going to have a time on November 6th at 7 p.m. where a few of us will get together and just talk through the spiritual gifts that are outlined in Scripture. We'll just go through each one. Anybody's welcome to join for that. And it's not on our website, but there is out here at our welcome table a place you can just write your name and your email on a piece of paper and I'll send you info about it. You don't even need to come to that also because we put the kind of breakdown of that on the website, and it's in our Holy Spirit guide. So you can, if you're going through that journal, or if you're not, you can access it on our website. And there's a place in there to talk through all the different spiritual gifts and some processing this week to help you kind of explore that. A lot of people are like, you know, do a spiritual gifts inventory. I personally am not a fan, but it's totally individual personal preference. I think one great next step would be just having a conversation with someone who knows you and just asking, like, where have you seen the power of God show up through me? I don't mean like where have I been kind and someone's felt the impact of my kindness. I mean where has there been a supernatural result from one thing I did, right? I, and we all know how it feels when someone gives you a word of encouragement, for example. It feels good. But you know that experience you have sometimes where someone gives you a word of encouragement and it is like parts of your soul that were like on the edge of falling off of the map entirely are like knitted back together? That's supernatural fruit. That's fruit beyond natural ability. That's God at work, the power of God moving through someone's design to encourage you. And so ask one another, where do you see the power of God at work within me? We're gonna give you so much time over the next week to start processing and thinking through your own spiritual gifts, but I also think a good way is to start noticing the power of God in other people. So like before we leave today, that's what I want us to just take a minute and do is reflect on the power of God in other people. Um, when I was thinking about this, I couldn't stop thinking about this Fred Rogers 
Mr. Rogers. I wasn't a Mr. Rogers person growing up, but there was a doc that came out a few years back about Mr. Rogers, and it really got me. Um, so <laughs> this is a clip from that documentary, uh, and he's talking about, you know, his the way that he talked is like the people who've loved you into being. But when I was watching it back this week, I was like, I wonder if part of what he's describing here is the power of God moving to sustain, to create the fullness of who you are through other people. These people that you're watching are all like part of the documentary. They've just been talking about Mr. Rogers, and then in the middle of it, the documentarian kind of asks them to do this activity, you know, and it's obviously like very emotional for all of them, but I love that every single one of them is able to do this exercise just like each one of us would be able to. Um, these people that have loved them into being, smiled them into smiling, that kind of idea. To me, it's part of what we're talking about here today, that the, the power of God has been given to you to experience the body of Christ. You've had those moments where you, you felt like you would feel sitting at dinner with Jesus. There are people who've given you that feeling, and we're just tracing it one step back and believing that's the power of God, that he wanted to be sitting at dinner with you. And so he put his power within those people to sit with you and give you that supernatural experience of his presence. You know, this week as I was preparing for this sermon, I was having a conversation with someone who will not be named, but whose name is Drew. And he was talking about how sometimes the week that you preach is the week that you're like, I don't know if I believe in God. That's absolutely been my experience this week. There's been a lot of moments where I'm like, do I even believe this? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but I kept coming back to this experience, not just to people who've been kind to me, not just to people who've loved me, but the moments I have seen the power of God, the moments where I've been at the end of myself, and someone has just said, spoken, cared, served, helped in the way that had a supernatural impact. When I stand before God, and my story is laid out, and all the tiny pieces of my heart are there, only then do I think those people will understand the impact that their behavior, that their ability had on me. That's the power of God. It's, it's the thing at the end of the day when I'm like, I don't even know what I believe about any of this. This is a grounding piece to me. I, I know I've seen the power of God at work in the people around me. We hope you found this message encouraging. If you would like to learn more about The Vine, get connected to our community, or contribute financially to The Vine's ministry, go to our website at thevineaustin.org.